Welcome to Night Shift Delirium, a podcast about junior doctors and the world around them. I'm your host, Victoria, a junior doctor currently based in England. And on today's episode, we'll continue with the journey series, this time from a pharmacy perspective. We will hear about Ife's journey into pharmacy here in England. Welcome to our shift. Hello, everyone. My name is Ife, as Victoria has already said. I am a rotational specialist pharmacist in a hospital in Essex at the moment. Um, I have been a pharmacist for the past two plus years. I always forget, but about two plus years. Um, And yeah, it's been going great so far. Okay, I've never heard this rotational thing, title. What does that mean exactly for people like me who are a little slow? <laughs> um, so I, I'm going through um, rotations, which is what they call it in the UK here, um, of different specialties. So we have, because of the um, band that I'm at at the moment, I do about six months in a, current, in a specialty. Um, so I'm currently in haematology and oncology, um, and that'll be for six months. And prior to that, I was in governance um, and women's and children. So you just kind of spend a, a few months in a current in a special team, um, just learning about the different, you know, uh, clinical uh, groups that are in that special team. Um, and I guess it's just an opportunity for you to learn before you actually specialise and choose um, which. Uh, clinical specialty you want to go into okay and you've mentioned band and I think it's come up a couple times on the pod so far I think banding to my understanding is like your level of seniority yeah are there like exams and things you have to take for it um so no so once you've qualified as a pharmacist so you do your um professional exam um, and then after that, you literally just work your way up the band. So depending on how much experience you have, um, you just apply for like a new job. So there's um, so with pharmacy, once you've qualified, you start band six and then you work your way up. So you apply for new jobs depending on how comfortable you feel. If you feel like you've learned enough in that certain band, then you just work your way up. Um, depending on how much moolah you want as well, you just work your way up as well. So... <laughs> That's what it Listen, is. Listen, money has never hurt anybody. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess most of the people that I've had on the podcast so far, um, well, I mean, the podcast originated as this idea of like junior doctors and blah, blah, blah. But it's sort of like grown into something bigger where we're having conversations with a lot of people who work in healthcare. Um, so you're obviously a pharmacist. Uh, why, why pharmacy? What led you to that path? This is always such an interesting story, even for myself. I'm just like, how, how did I get here? But <laughs> God has a plan for everyone. That's what I say. But um, when I was young, I always laugh when I think of this. Um, when like, my parents asked me, okay, what do you want to be when you're older? I always just thought, I just want to do something that just helps people. I know it's cliche, but I really wanted to do something that helps people. So my first thing was, I want to be a lollipop lady. And my parents were like... <laughs> they were like... First of all, what is a lollipop lady? <laughs> so a lollipop lady is someone who um, helps people cross the roads. So at zebra crossings that we have here in the UK. Um, you have a lady, especially for like outside primary schools you have a lady who helps children cross the road so rather than just using the zebra crossing on their own they'll actually stop the traffic and allow the children to cross the road so I just thought you know what that is such a good job like she's you know in a way saving people's lives she's stopping traffic allowing people to go from A to B safely no <laughs> whatsoever so I thought yeah <laughs> hello <laughs> 
First of all, I had no, well, you said lollipop lady. I thought you were going to talk about like the candy lady. Like in so many neighborhoods in the States, there's like a lady who like sells candy on the low, you know, she buys bags from Walmart and charges like 10 cents or something. And, you know, there's not, you know, she's a small business lady. She's an entrepreneur, if you will, but it's not always necessarily a tax, you know, a taxable income, but, um, (laughs) That is really funny. Also, just as a clarification for people, zebra crossings are like crosswalks. Mm. Um, that is so noble, you know? It's so innocent. Wow. The thing is, they do minimal hours. They're literally there from like, you know, like half an hour before school or an hour. And then when school ends, they're there for like half an hour to an hour. So I wasn't even thinking of like income or sustainability, anything like that. I wasn't thinking of anything like that. But my oh parents my were kind of like, yeah, <laughs> is this really what you want to do with your life? Come on, you've got to aspire, you've got to think bigger. And I think part of it was just being in a school. Um, I think it depends on what type of teachers you have and people you have around you, like who you aspire to be and who you look up to and who encourages you to, you know, think of going down a certain career path or not. So my parents were just kind of like, no, you can be a lot more than that. Like think bigger, think better than that. Um, so I think part of it with like the whole African mentality, you have to do either law or medicine or, um, one of these like big career, um, choices. But so I did initially think of, okay, let me think, think of, you know, medicine, let's go down that. And then went to a university open day and I was like, yeah, we can still stay in the medical field, (laughs) but this sounds like a lot. (laughs) And then predicted grades and everything were just looking like, nah, this isn't going to happen. But I was just like, I really, really think I'm supposed to be in the medical field. I could not see anything else I would be doing. So I thought, okay, pharmacy. And I can't actually remember exactly why I did think of pharmacy, but that was what I went for. Um, And I was speaking to someone at my church who was a doctor. So she was quite, uh, she worked quite closely with a pharmacist as well. And she was just saying how, um jobs are dying out for pharmacy don't do pharmacy do pharmacology instead I was like okay maybe you know pharmacology is where I'm supposed to go so went for pharmacology studied at um Portsmouth University I actually wanted to go to Dundee but predicted grades said no you're not going there and the grades I got were saying no you're not going there to end up (laughs) my mum didn't want me at Dundee anyway she was like Scotland 12 hours how am I gonna come I was (laughs) I was just about to say listen you are throwing out some cities that I maybe kind of sort of have heard of but on the high key the highest of keys I'm like what (laughs) so yeah all the way up in Scotland we went there for an open day and I loved it I was honestly like this is where I'm supposed to be why what like how how's you you from Essex like where do you how do you even come across a Dundee done who what like how did you I think I was just looking at okay what people um which universities would take like my predicted grades so it was Portsmouth um Dundee there's a few other I think Liverpool can't remember but those were the main ones so okay I was like okay let's try out Scotland let's see what it's like I really loved it but I was was like Portsmouth not really for me but um as God would have it ended up in Portsmouth I'd never ever ever even been to the city before so I hadn't even checked it out so I was like yes God you want me in Dundee that's where I'm going don't even need to check out Portsmouth you know there's no point (laughs) why would I need to do that Ended up in Portsmouth, um, had to find like housing and stuff for literally like a couple of weeks before I was even going to this university. Um, yeah, I, I'd always just say it's literally just God's plan because I don't even know how it all came together. So I ended up doing pharmacology for two years um, because I had um, this doctor say to me that, no, this is, you know, pharmacy, don't bother going for it because pharmacology is the place to be. And then did that for two years and just thought, no, pharmacy is definitely where I need to be. Like pharmacology, where the job prospects and what I want to do, it's just not the right um, pick for me, not the right fit for me. So I ended up having two 
work my butt off to be able to transfer into pharmacy. So I stayed in Portsmouth University and studied pharmacy. So instead of doing four years at university, I ended up doing six years altogether. Um, but even the story of me being able to transfer to pharmacy, again, is God. Like they were asking for certain fees up front. And I was just like, where am I going to get this money from? I have no idea. But as God would have it, someone at church just blessed us with that and then allowed me to transfer. So, wow. Yeah, honestly. That's amazing. Fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, did that for four years. And, yeah, I learned a lot, met some amazing people who really encouraged me along the way, who I'm still friends with now, um, and got to where I'm at now. And I can really, with all, you know, the knowledge and what I wanted to do initially and um, what I had as a plan that I wanted to help people is what I'm doing now. Like, I'm able to help those people who are in need and just um, help people take ownership of their health as well and actually, you know, do better by themselves in a way. So um, mm. I'm glad I'm where I am now. <laughs> so who, like in reflection, you mentioned the doctor at church, but who was the first person that encouraged you um, on your journey? Like in any way, it doesn't have to be in pharmacy, but who was like, you know what, you're special, you're going to do something. Who would you say was the first person? Just throw back. Jonathan. <laughs> Um, I want to say it's my my parents, especially my mum, are just always encouraging me. Because I think with like medicine, pharmacy, with any degree, I think um, it can just be so hard and you just need those people who are on your team who are going to be encouraging you and telling you, you can do this. Like, don't give up. You know, it's hard, but you just got to keep, you know, pressing and keep your head down and everything. So I'd say that my mum, she was like the greatest encouragement to me. Um, especially like being a single mum as well she was just like you can do it like I know all this stuff's happening around you but you can do it like you're here you're here for a reason God hasn't put you in this university for no reason God hasn't allowed you to transfer to another course even when there was a bit of a hurdle you were still able to transfer to this course you're here for a reason so just keep on and sometimes I'd be calling her like, mom, I'm just, I can't do it. I'm tired. Like I was even ill at like a couple of years at uni and mum would come, come get me and I'd go home for a bit and just rest and recuperate. But she was just there like telling me, you know, and encouraging me all the way through. Um, so yeah, even those times I felt like I wanted to not necessarily quit, but I just wanted to take my foot off the gas a bit. I just remember that now. I can't do that. It's not just for me. It's for my mum as well. And that was, she's definitely been a big encouragement, even till now. Um, when I think of like career choices and things, she's always a big encouragement to me that I can do it. Um, and have there been any sort of people outside of your mom? Like, okay, so I'll say, um, when I think about people who like really encouraged me, I mean, definitely 100% my parents, like they have, like, there's not a challenge that my mom or dad ever said I should bow down to, you know, they really raised me to be very courageous in that way. Um, but definitely I would say a lot of my, or when I say a lot, I mean like one or two of my um, teachers in high school really, really, really like saw something in me because I was quite, um, rambunctious we'll say a little bit talkative okay okay you know so like my parents always were getting calls about me not paying attention and being disruptive and I really saw it as an act of rebellion (laughs) and like I didn't feel like I needed to be contained and I had a lot of opinions about teachers who I felt maybe made assumptions based on the way that I looked or how many of my peers were and things like that. And that, like from a young age, I was never okay with that. So I also equally um, served as a challenge, we'll say, <laughs> to some of those teachers. But yeah. then there are a few teachers that really saw things in me. And you could see that they knew I was a student who didn't know how to focus all of her energy. Um, mm-hmm. And they really were like, what is it that you want to do? How are you going to go about it? They were hard on me. I don't know. It was just 
for me, I, there are definitely a handful of teachers in high school that I can say 100% guided me. Um, and I'm so grateful to them. Did you have any like group of people like that? I feel like, so in secondary school, definitely had those teachers who, who saw your potential. And I feel like teachers have such a wonderful gift of this. They just, they can see what you're going to become. Um, so I was, all, I was at school, I was always a good student. I was always like, you know, getting really good grades at school. The only thing is the same. I used to talk loads. <laughs> I used to talk so much. I don't even know what about, but I was always just like, not the life of the pipe, but I just was always just, you know, up for a good time type thing. I cannot even picture this. Because when I tell you, like, we met in my first job in the hospital and you were like this very quiet pharmacist and I was like all right okay there's like another black girl okay but she was so quiet I was like oh she probably might not like my energy because I come with it sometimes and then all of a sudden slowly slowly you're like oh yeah hi um are you yeah, are you Victoria? Did you mean to exactly? I can't decipher your handwriting here. <laughs> that was always the issue, your handwriting. I'm like, this woman wants to make me crazy. <laughs> but I swear everyone feels like, oh, she's so quiet. I'm like, y'all don't even know this one. <laughs> This is what everyone says about me. I'm just really, I'm quite a reserved person till I know who you are. I'm so reserved. And um, especially, I'm going to say, especially when I see my black brothers and sisters, I'm always so reserved when it comes to that because I'm like, yes, I want to be your friend. Let me just, you know, (laughs) let me understand. So I'm always really reserved. And everyone always says this about me, but I'm really in my head. I'm like, I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. Everyone's going to think this girl's a big, but I'm really not, promise. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was just always that person at school um, who everyone knew. And I think also because where I went to school, I was like one of the um, only few black people in the school. So yes, yeah, so everyone knew me and... That was just me. So the teacher saw, like, this girl, she's smart, she knows what she's doing, but there is this tendency for her to get distracted. So they would always say this at, like, parents' evenings and stuff, that, yeah, she knows what she's doing, but she talks a lot. Every time I come home, my parents just looking at me, like, this is the same report every single year that you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> What are you going to do to change? <laughs> it's just it's crazy but I guess yeah so the teacher saw it um but I don't know I just didn't really if it wasn't coming from my parents I didn't necessarily think too much of it so I was just like these teachers don't necessarily know me my family know me I think I've always been like that if it's not my family who I'm hearing it from or my close friends and doesn't really okay okay I feel that energy okay um was there anyone that you saw sort of on your way to where you are that you felt you know what I want to be that person like someone who thought who taught you that it's possible to be you know like you've seen someone rotating you've seen someone who's just a boss who like kills it in every way that you admire have there been any people so far that you've seen that you're like all right that's who I want to be um, yeah, definitely. Like some of my colleagues um, at the hospital I'm working at now, when I see them, I'm just like, these people, they know their stuff inside out, upside down. They know their stuff. And that is who I want to be. Um, but I think with pharmacy, especially, I feel like there's not really that many um, role models out there, I guess. I feel like pharmacy is quite a quiet profession in a way. Like we're trying to you know, get bigger voices now. But when you think of, okay, who do, which pharmacist do I want to try and be like, or which pharmacist do I aspire to be like in the public eye, there isn't really anyone. So it is just like the colleagues who are around me. Um, and especially as like a, a black professional, a black pharmacist as well, there's only like a handful of us who are in those kind of like senior roles. So whenever I see someone who 
I've kind of understood their journey. There's two pharmacists who I can think of off the top of my head who I've just been like, I really need to up my game and just, you know, fix up because the way they know all like the um <clears throat> their clinic their clinical knowledge inside out is just amazing. The way they are with patients as well. I just always think I can do better. I can always, you know, improve myself. But it requires so much work. As of anything, if you want to be at the top of your game, it requires so much work. So it's, yeah, there's definitely a few people. Um, I'll shout them out. Mabel. Mabel, she's an amazing pharmacist. I hope she, hope she listens to this. Um, yeah, she's great. And uh, there's one other lady as well, Eki, who's moved on to somewhere else. But yeah, they're amazing. And I think everyone who sees them when they're working, you can just tell that everyone's just like, mm-hmm. this is the pharmacist we need to be, guys. I hope you're taking notes. I hope you're, you know... <laughs> writing it all down whatever she's saying they're just amazing people that's dope i mean i think definitely like a lesson or not a lesson but um advice that was given to me is that in your circle we'll say council of confidants um you should always have someone that you look up to like maybe someone who's a little bit further ahead in their career or more advanced or started earlier or whatever, then you should always have someone who is like your peer, like your level that you are, um, you guys are both working together towards like advancement of your careers. And then you should always have someone who's a little bit more junior than you or less experienced or needs more development um, that you you are bringing up with you. And that's like the, the trifecta of what you should have, especially in a work setting, but I'm sure in a life setting as well, but definitely, I mean, like for me being an older sort of new doctor, mm-hmm. I look up to a lot of people. Like I look up to dot. She's done an episode, you know, yes, she's I- younger than me, but she is on it. She's very sort of, you know, she just, I will never forget in some handover, there was some complicated thing way above my, you know, one pay grade and knowledge grade. Okay. I was like, listen, this sounds complicated. <laughs> and she's like, right. So we have this 56 blah, 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 year old. And they were doing this and that. And she didn't stutter once. Mm-hmm. And you know, because she's so joyful and because she's um, talkative and everyone likes her, sometimes people don't take you seriously. Now this was right at the start of my journey in England I was like, right. So everyone likes this girl. She's black. And she just killed it. She had handed over this patient for review. And she did, she'd done everything that she needed to do. And I was like, right. That's exactly who I want to be by the end of my time in England or by the end of the year. Like, I want to be able to present patients and, like, also treat patients in the appropriate way with confidence and without, like, being nervous, you know? So for me, when I look at my colleagues even though she's younger than me, she's definitely more advanced than me in her training and things that I look up to, you know? And then I definitely have like colleagues that were, we all started together that I'm like, right. Okay. We're both equally sort of driven, focused on the task at hand. All the rest of this stuff is fun. And like, you know, it's cute, but we're all sort of moving together. And it's, it's not everyone that can be on your level, not to say like you're here and they're there, but not everyone moves with the same sort of ambition that you do. So um, I think that's important. And I mean, for me, the, the people that I, I would say I'm mentoring in some ways uh, throughout this journey I've met and are, for whatever reason, like, oh, right, Victoria, you're doing this. And so, like, it's nice to have that, that sort of rounded circle around you because it, it tells you where to look, where you're coming from, and where you're going. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. I think whatever position you're in you should always be looking to bring people up with you and you should as you said have people you aspire to be like you can't just have people in your circle who you're all the same because you're not going to advance um and yeah whatever position we've been put in we're there for a reason and if we want to see a good cohort of I don't know pharmacists or doctors we need to be ready to you know pop stretch our hands out and say okay I'm going to help these people up um, and I'm going to get them to the place that they want to be. We should be ready to pour out that knowledge that we have. Um, and definitely age is definitely not uh, a measure of, you know, how much you're going to know. I definitely learn things from people who are like pre-registration pharmacists. So those are pharmacists who are going through their training year after university. I learn loads from them. And I think 
And it makes me reflect as well on who I was when I was more of a junior or pre-qualification pharmacist. I just think, wow, I've come such a long way and what can I do to help those people to to grow as well? Um, So, yeah, definitely, I understand what you're saying. I definitely agree with you as well. And I think we can learn stuff from people in other specialties. I learn stuff from you doctors as well. I learn stuff from healthcare assistants, nurses, just the way they are with their patients, the way they relate and everything. And I'm also doing a clinical diploma at the moment. So it's like two years of further development, further learning. And we have um, like consultation skill sessions, which I really, I've learned quite a lot from just the way you, you know, relate with people, the way you relate with your colleagues and also your patients can really affect um, you know how effective you are and the team are all together and how much you get out of of a patient and how much they get out of you actually being with them and consulting with them and giving them advice so we're always learning from whoever from even unexpected people as well you can learn so much yeah that's definitely true let's take a quick break When you're on call, you're often asked to come and review patients for medications or acute conditions that cannot be handled by nurses or other staff. There's usually some form of paging or bleeping system. Paging and bleeping mean the same exact thing, different countries, different names. So this week, I asked many of my friends throughout the world what are some of the most ridiculous things that they have been bleeped for? It ranged from things not that serious to quite serious. I guess we'll start with the more serious one. A friend was one bleeped or paged to come and review a baby who had been overdosed on morphine. And then, of course, you have cases that are on the other end of the spectrum. A medical registrar, which is the most senior level of training, was asked to come and prescribe paracetamol or Tylenol. Basically, they put out a semi-cardiac arrest call to ask the medical registrar to come and give a Tylenol for a patient. Another friend mentioned a nurse urgently paging them in the middle of the night to come and review a patient who was in severe pain after some sort of fracture but had not been prescribed any analgesia. As such, the doctor went to go and see the patient. By the time they got there, they realized that the nurse just wanted Tylenol and the patient was comfortable asleep and had no complaints. Then you get the ones that are somewhere in between the two. One friend was asked to come and review penile edema after a rectal enema. And another friend was asked to come and prescribe a sildenafil for a patient who was on the ward. For those of you that don't know, sildenafil is also known as Viagra. Okay, so we're back. So we spoke about people that have sort of guided us and our circles and things like that and how it, it motivates us. Who was shooting with you in the gym? Like, who was your squad when you were studying? Who were your homies? Who did you conspire with to, like, find out what was on the test and things like that? Um, my squad, there's, well, our squad is still going strong. So I've got Amen, I've got Derica, I've got even friends who were from, like, other courses who were, like, my housemates who were, like, egging me on. Um, there's many more people, but those are the two I can think of who just always seemed to know and understand how the exams were going to be. And there's me like trying to revise everything. As the years went by, I started revising smarter, but (laughs) they just knew what was going to be in the exam. They just knew how to like construct, you know, the um, essay answers. They just, they just had this head about them that to this day, I'm just like, God, can you please provide this type of brain? Because it's very necessary. But um, yeah, so we'd be in the library. So Amen, actually, we both transferred from pharmacology to pharmacy. So we were both putting in that work, second year pharmacology, in the library till ridiculous times, just making sure we were going to transfer. And even to this day, like she's still a really, really good friend of mine. But she, so she's not a hospital pharmacist. So she's working for a pharmaceutical company, um, still using her pharmacy knowledge. Uh, to do that 
And one of my other friends, she is now working in a GP practice um, as a pharmacist. So that's sort of a new, a new area that pharmacists are going into. Um, oh, wait, can you explain a little bit more about that? So she's working, like, I guess one, how is it different than being sort of in a hospital? And how long has that been around? Okay, um, so she's part of a PCN, which I believe is like a primary care network. So it might have changed actually the definition. But um, so she's working within a GP practice, which is a clinic, as you explained last time, um, where she'll be able to review patients who sort of come in and they don't necessarily need to see a doctor. So they'll see a pharmacist instead which frees up time for the doc- for the doctors to see other patients um, and just assessing whether, you know, the medication the patients are still on actually are still clinically appropriate or not. Um, so she can do things like that. Um, I think part of her job would be looking at formularies as well. So just seeing if the GP practices are sticking to the formularies that are out there um, and then looking at sort of like cost effectiveness. Um, her role, she's literally just started on Monday, so I'll find out more, but that is what I know so far. So there's that, and then my That friend, is so interesting. Sorry, does that, does that require additional um, training, or you can just go into it? So you can just go into it, but you get training on the job, because a lot of the stuff that you're doing in this new role isn't stuff you've necessarily done before. Um, but you can sort of start the job, and get going but you learn new skills as you're working and there's I think there's a program that they follow over like 18 months that sort of guides them along and just tests and assesses their understanding and their knowledge but it's quite an exciting an exciting role so I feel like pharmacists sometimes are seen as people who just stick labels on boxes who don't use their brains who just are there as like an irritant they're not necessarily our jobs are necessarily under <laughs> not an irritant are you like what no, nah. I mean sometimes when you see especially in community because you can work in community as well um even my friends or like even people that I go to church with they're just like so what do you do as a pharmacist so you just tell people you can't take this many paracetamols and I'm like listen nah. that is very very wrong <laughs> very unnecessary uh we have a very like we didn't go to uni just for just for jokes like (laughs) Like, and when I tell you like doctors don't like the the knowledge when it comes to anything if I'm in the hospital and the pharmacist whoever it is I truly there's no anyone technician anyone who comes up to me and they're like um so are you sure about the creatinine clearance and renal dose and this and I'm like yeah right so just uh, <laughs> tell me what's right because trust me you know way more than me <laughs> I feel like I'm just writing down what you're telling me rather <laughs> or they're like oh have you considered and I'm like nope I did not consider please tell me because I don't know I'm happy to be corrected <laughs> this is why it's so good to have that multidisciplinary team because we do need each other like there's things you guys know that I'm just like as a pharmacist this is way beyond me but we can work together to get an answer that's what I can help you to do <laughs> um but, but yeah I think definitely pharmacists um you know they're they're um what we do and who we are definitely needs a bit more of a, a voice. It needs to be put out there more. I think they are kind of trying, but I think there's probably more that they can do. Um, but what was the question? <laughs> to be honest, I don't remember the question. Oh, what we were talking about? Oh, we were talking about squads, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I was try- explaining all the different types of pharmacists. Wow. There's- yeah. <laughs> That's how we got here. Sorry. I just get so engrossed in the conversation. I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I do think that before in my my undergrad, my uni was very, very big into pharmacy. A lot of my friends are pharmacists. Um, And in the States, 
when you do pharmacy, just like medicine, it's post-grad. Well, for the most part, it's post-grad, but also like my school had like a combined undergrad, post-grad. They graduate as doctors of pharmacy. And so they're, you know, they're called doctors as well. Um, Is this in America? Yeah, 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 in America. That's why I think that's why it's quite different with how respected pharmacists are maybe over there. Do you feel like it's the same? definitely absolutely the same because medicine here is an undergrad undergraduate degree so like in general we're peers right like it's not like someone has spent more time doing something than the other or it's just like you you each have an undergraduate degree so like I mean every y'all can't see her face right now (laughs) say it again it's no it's like it's so I mean I mean, also in the States, there's almost everything is post-grad. So like even um, like physiotherapists and occupational therapists and chiropractors and everyone, everyone is called a doctor. But yeah, definitely with pharmacy, I mean, you're spending four, literally the same exact amount of time in graduate school. So it's four years undergrad, four years post-grad. And the only difference is you can opt to go into a residency in pharmacy um and then whereas like doctors you have to go into residency no matter what yeah i mean y'all y'all do a lot y'all study like i mean it's just so much like chemistry and i have not really gotten along historically i mean just the amount of time it takes to understand all of those things on a molecular level and then understanding drug interactions and all that stuff that like most doctors just can't be bothered. We're absolutely equal. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So, but to be fair, before really even working in the hospital, I don't think I fully understood how much pharmacists do in hospital because like, obviously you see in the States anyway, in like Rite Aid or Walmart or whatever, that sort of idea of like pill pushers. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Yeah. And that's, I mean, that still takes a lot of, I mean, I think there's a lot more that goes into it than I could really even articulate, but um, definitely like you see it extra, extra, like it's much more pronounced when you're in hospital and you see that every single thing, like, I mean, going over every single prescription and like making sure it's the right dosage and not interacting with this and knowing what shortages are going on. And it's just like extensive, like I'm tired at the thought. (laughs) (laughs) understanding the patient's history their medical history and everything there's just so much to think about um and doctors you you do what you need to do and us pharmacists and technicians we do what we need to do as well working as a team you get a good result um but yeah even yeah community pharmacists they do a lot there's so much potential out there with what you you can do as you said you see the pharmacists who are in like walmart um in america and here we've got boots and loads of other um pharmacies um but yeah they've they've got their own their own benefits as well but i think because patients have so much um experience with those community pharmacies when they see us in hospital they're kind of like why are you here what exactly do you do here so there's a lot of us having to to explain that to them um and to really just get that message across that we're here to help them we're here to make sure that they they actually do get better as well as the same as what a doctor does, um, but in a different way. Yeah. I mean, I definitely 100% agree with that. I mean, pharmacists are so essential to anything. Like, how are you going to treat somebody if you don't have the drugs to treat them? I mean, like, one does not exist without the other. It literally is that simple, y'all. But anyway. (laughs) Okay, so when you think about your past, and your initial interest in pharmacy and then changing to pharmacology and then coming back to pharmacy finally. Do you think that it's a path that if you had to pick and choose, would you do the same things again? Or are there things that you would you would change along the way? I think that is a very good question. I think I would have still done the same thing, the same path. As I like to say to people, it was the scenic route. Okay. I learned stuff along the way that... Love it. <laughs> knowledge that I will keep with me. Like, I wouldn't have met the friends that, I've, that I'm still friends with now if I hadn't done the same, um, if I hadn't, you know, followed the same path. Um, and even doing those two years of pharmacology definitely helped with pharmacy because you need that pharmacology knowledge anyway for pharmacy. Um, and you're taught some of the same modules 
um, in pharmacy. I just had the benefit of not having to attend as many uh, lectures because I've done it in pharmacology already. So that was quite great. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, but no, I definitely would have followed the same path because I think that's how God wanted it, to be fair. That is honestly how he wanted it. Um, and I wouldn't have become the person that I am now. And I sometimes think, like, if I'd gone straight into pharmacy, graduated and become a pharmacist at a younger age, would I have approached the way I work the same way? That's something I always think about. Mm. It probably would have been different because I feel like I say this, I think I had a, have a more mature approach <laughs> to the way I do things, to the way I work, to the way I am with my colleagues as well. Um, and it just makes me appreciate what I'm doing a lot more because I've had that extended journey. Um, so no, I definitely would have followed the same path, would have definitely opted for the longer route, I think. Wow. I love that. Like one, love the scenic route. Love yeah. that, love that, love that. That is so real. Um, and I've never really thought about that. Like, I mean, I think when I was aiming to get into medicine, I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to move differently. Like, you know, people don't even want it and they got it so easily and all this stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, that when you go sort of the scenic route, um, it's very intentional that you landed there. It's not because, you know, it was easy or because someone forced you or strongly encouraged you. It's because you wanted it. And so each opportunity that you get as a result of that um, is appreciated. And yeah. it's, you know, the hustle is different. The hustle is very different. Like, I think younger people also tend to, not that, not that they don't take things seriously, because I think medicine forces you to do that. But there are some... Um, sensitivities that we have to um, acknowledge and respect. And I think when you're younger, it's a lot more difficult to do that because you're still figuring yourself out. Not that I've got my, I know who I am and all that stuff, but like you're still figuring yourself out. The world's sort of idea or um, goals for you sometimes can be confused with what you want for yourself So you just move a little bit differently when you're a little bit more mature. Yeah. I think um, in the previous podcast or one of your previous podcasts, when Dot was saying how (laughs) I laughed so much when she said this, when you have the guys who they don't even know how to cook, but they're having really sensitive situations. And when I heard her say that, I was like, that is so true. And I even think about that now, like, some situations that I've seen when I've handled like, you know, patients' deaths and being involved in like their end of life care and everything. I don't know how I would have handled that if I was younger, because some things I was going through then, I was I probably wasn't even strong enough to, to handle, you know, seeing a patient one day and the next day you know that they've gone home to die or or whatever it is. And yeah, definitely being older, I think that's that's helped with like the hand with handling those type of things. But um yeah, it's a lot. I'd never really thought about it like that, but it was it's yeah. so, it's so true. And it's kind of that the, um, delayed gratification as well. And you know you worked so hard for something and you know it's taking you a bit longer to get to where you want to get to. It's so much sweeter in a way. And that's how I found it. That it's just, you're just like, wow, even though it took me a long time. And even if it's people who've had to redo a year at uni or anything, it just makes you appreciate it so much more that I've worked my butt off to get here I'm here for a reason I've made it through all those hurdles I've made it through all those you know those difficult times and it just makes it so much sweeter yeah for sure um I guess last couple of questions um if you were if you're advising a younger you about how to get to where you are or not you like someone else a cousin a niece or whatever what's some what are some words of wisdom that you would impart with them i would say to them if you know that this is what you want to do do not let anybody tell you any different that is one thing i will say for a person who's religious who has faith or you just know that this is where you need to be if people around you are saying "Mm, i don't think that's necessarily the best thing for you to do 
honestly, don't listen to them. You know what's best for yourself. And some people really don't have your best interests at heart. So just stick with it. It might be that you have to work hard. You need to put in all these hours. But honestly, just stick with it. And just, um, you can do it. Honestly, you can do it. And then just also make sure that you're putting yourself out there. If you know that this is something that you want to do, make sure you're doing your research. You're putting your hands up, putting yourself forward for those experiences. Because it just helps um you know boost you especially with like your cv and your just your own experience when you've actually gone for those summer placements when you've actually been out there you people start to know who you are and you also start to see okay is this really what I want to do so definitely get yourself out there as early as possible get the experience that you need under your belt and just go for it and put all your energy into it. If I could, if I could have really done anything, I would have definitely put more energy, put more of myself into it. Not like I don't work hard, but I know I could have worked a lot harder. So yeah, those are a few nuggets of wisdom for my younger self. As I would just echo exactly what you said that like, essentially you are in control of your destiny. I mean, I believe in God, I believe in divine order. Um, and I recognize that not everyone is always afforded the same opportunities, but at the same time, many of us are too easily discouraged when someone says that you can't do it. Like you are the one that um, determines if you can do something or not. And if at, if after some time you realize it's not for you and all those things were signs, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't, you know, definitely don't be discouraged. And, and equally, as you were speaking about putting yourself out there and getting those experiences, I think that is super, 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 super essential. And like understanding that it's your responsibility to do that. Um, no one is going to open every door for you. So sometimes you just have to kick the door down or build your own house exactly. and um, make it happen. You know, mm-hmm. no excuses. Okay, so we've spoken about the journey, advice we'd give to our younger selves, and how you've gotten to exactly where you are now. Where do you see your journey taking you in the future? Um, <laughs> I feel like at the moment where I am, I'm still making a few decisions about what... I want to do as a pharmacist who I want to be what type of pharmacist and especially with this everything that's going on with Black Lives Matter it's just made me really think about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it um I've I said earlier that I really want to help people take ownership of their like their health and what's going on around them and I feel like maybe where I'm going needs to be more I'm quite patient focused at the moment but maybe just focusing on a certain specialty so that's what I'm thinking at the moment it could be maybe in the GP land it could still be in hospital it could be a pharmaceutical company at the moment I'm still putting the the feelers out there and just doing a bit of of research but I just know that whatever it is it's definitely going to have patience at the focus it's just how is that actually going to come together is the question at the moment yeah like for me when I think about my journey I don't even know I can't even begin to try and like predict what the future holds but I do feel that whatever it is I do I'm committed to working with vulnerable communities um and the rest will sort itself out because so far it has yeah that's definitely I think it's just as healthcare professionals we're like we're advocates for people we are the voice for so many people and it's just where should I put that voice where is an area that needs someone to speak louder and I think that's what I'm trying to figure out at the moment like there's a few healthcare or health groups that I'm thinking of that you know patients who are vulnerable in one way or another that I just feel like their voice isn't heard as well as it should be so it's just kind of figuring that out especially in the black community like there's just so many different health issues out there even just being black on its own as we've seen with covid um so yeah i think i echo what you're saying as well it's just being that voice for vulnerable people i think that's definitely what i've been thinking about a lot more nice okay so the very last question 
is a question that I've asked in many different, like different ways or to different people. I don't think I've asked you before yet, but if you were a drug, like, you know, it can be, um, a a prescription drug or an illicit drug, but it's a drug that embodies you. So meaning complete, like intended action, side effects, all of that. If you were a drug, what would your drug be and why? Wow, that is a question and a half. I think I'd have to be vitamin D. I say this because you don't realise that you need it sometimes, but when those vitamin D levels are up, you're different, you're changed. (laughs) You have that energy. Your bones aren't doing creakly. They're not, you know, feeling somehow. So when I come into your life, you just know your life changes. That energy that you didn't have is there. That's it. My job. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is great. Any side effects that are... (laughs) I mean, if you had a whole pot of vitamin D, then you might have some issues, but there's pretty much no side effects I can think of right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, I mean, I won't say the drug that I've I've used to describe myself because I've answered the question before. So you'll have to just listen to that episode. Um, And I can't think of one right now at the moment. But... (laughs) (laughs) That was a wonderful episode. Thank you for chatting with Night Shift Delirium. Um, Madam Vitamin D. Always get your vitamin D, folks. Make sure it's up within range. We don't want any below range vitamin D levels over here, okay? Especially in this lockdown. Make sure you're having your vitamin D. It's very essential, very vital. Thanks so much for having me, darling. Night Shift Delirium has been a wonderful experience. Oh, wonderful. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode of Delirium, a journey episode with Ife. I personally love the journey stories because there's so much that goes into becoming a doctor or a pharmacist or whatever it may be. It's very interesting for me to hear from my colleagues how we all have arrived at our current destination. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Delirium Shift and on Instagram at Night Shift Delirium. Like and subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends and family, and Stay tuned for updates about our future episodes. Next week, we'll be having an episode entitled Transitions, where I speak with one of my friends who has just completed her residency and is starting a fellowship. Although her story is not a journey story, one of my favorite stories and quotes from her is simply, 10 years ago, a doctor told her that she would never be a doctor. 10 years later, she's starting her fellowship at Harvard. See you on our next shift. I can't do it. My brain! <laughs>